0: And I knew pretty quickly on that, that something wasn't really working, but I'm glad I stepped away from it, you know, because now I have the free time to be with my family, and that's honestly more important. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow.
1: We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott.
0: Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
1: If you're listening to this podcast, then I suspect that at some point in time in your life, you felt stuck trying to figure out what you should be doing for work, should be doing for your career. That's okay. And if you've ever looked at career options but felt like nothing fits you or you can't figure out what it is, or maybe even took something that didn't quite match up and or maybe your needs have evolved. So our our guest today struggled with that same exact thing, but realized like many of the people we work with that what He could be doing and should be doing that was right for him was actually staring him in the face the whole time.
0: You know, I was kind of lost, trying to figure out what direction I should be going because I really saw yoga just kind of this hobby in terms of teaching as well as practicing.
1: That's Matt Toy. And you got to listen to my conversation with him in the podcast that was yesterday, played just before this. And we had the opportunity to work with Matt one on one and got to witness firsthand some pretty massive changes in his life. And on this podcast, We've shown you so many career changes and changes that come into our lives as a whole. We've talked with many dozens of people on this podcast that we've worked with personally to be able to make these changes. But one thing we really haven't shown you when we tell a story and show you a snapshot in time right after somebody has made a new new career change, got into a new job, started a new business, whatever it might be, we haven't necessarily shown you that this is more than just a one-time event. This impacts people for their entire rest of their life. It's kind of crazy, but something that is maybe more important than nearly anything else, like how to live much more intentionally, isn't taught in schools. It isn't taught in college. It isn't taught, well, very, very, very few places around the world. So when people like Matt have taken the time to to learn how to do this and integrate this in their lives, then it has pretty profound effects. Because all of us, well, <laughs> we go through changes. Like you know, some of us have families. You know, Matt had two kids, as it, it turns out, in between the the time where I met him from the very very first. And you know, some of us have you know parents that get older. Some of us have all kinds of different changes. And what? has a tendency to happen as we go through those changes and different seasons in our lives is that what we want changes along with it. And as you go from season to season and determine what you want, well, being able to live intentionally in the direction that you want is a skill in itself. Okay. So over the next several months, we're actually going to be bringing on some past guests of the podcast, that we've helped to catch up with where they're at now and how things have changed since we last had them on the show. And they have gone through the effort to learn and make changes intentionally in their lives. You're going to get to see how it compounds throughout years in some cases. Yesterday on the podcast, I shared Matt's story from the last time he was here. And if you haven't listened to that, it would be really helpful to go back and listen to that episode. Pause this right now, go back and listen to the episode that was released right before this, and you'll get the full context. Then come back over to listen to this one. But as Matt and I started our conversation, he mentioned the initial aha moment he had during and after we worked with him.
0: Having getting a lot of encouragement, not only from you, but from the cohorts that we had created, or the, the mastermind group rather, yeah. And everyone was like, hello, like, you know, you should be teaching yoga. Why aren't you teaching more yoga? And so then finally, after the course, I was like, oh, God, I got to do something. Like, I, I just went through this course, like, you know, and I kept spinning in circles about what direction I wanted to choose. So I actually ended up getting this weekly class that was a public class. So basically anyone, you know, at a yoga studio, anyone can come sign up, take the class. And it was doing quite well. And then fast forward, you know, maybe six months. I had also created this specific style of yoga for men. And so that was also growing pretty um, slowly in the beginning and actually ended up leaving it to take a different route in yoga. And that is to take the more public class route, because I really realized, like, I just love the energy of having a bunch of bodies in the room, directing them, leading them, even though it wasn't getting as much per se per head, because I had so many people coming to these public classes it didn't really matter. So, you know, in the end, what I thought was me not getting paid enough per head, it was really just, it didn't matter because in the end, you know, having 30 people show up and jam packed in this room was enough. That was the year after the course. And then beyond that, some interesting things started happening. So I started doing workshops, yeah. which in the yoga world are an amazing way to deepen your practice as well as for an instructor to connect more deeply with students and also make more money. You can charge a lot more for a workshop than you can just for a public, you know, normal class during the week. So I started sure. doing those, um, that started to create some leverage. And then actually other studios started reaching out to me saying, Hey, we want you to teach for us.
1: Really? What do you think prompted that with, uh, cause it sounds like at this point you had, you know, multiple, multiple workshops that were going on multiple classes and, uh, and then people started reaching out to you. So what, what, what were some of the prompting for why they're like, oh, we gotta, we gotta have Matt.
0: Yeah. You know, and that, and just for like, you know, a little ego stroke, I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I don't have to go sell myself as much now, you know? Yeah. Like that felt really good. So in terms of what prompted that, honestly, I think just starting to make more connections in the area. So I live in Berkeley, which is a greater San Francisco Bay area. Um, there's a ton of yoga here, super saturated. Yet at the same time, people are always looking for fresh talent or like a new kind of methodology or just something different to bring to their studio. And so there was a studio in Oakland that had been there for a long time. They were rebranding and they really wanted a masculine presence. So they reached out to me and said, "Hey, the owner wants to meet you. Let's set aside some time." And they, you know, offered me great compensation. I ended up leaving because it didn't work out in terms of my family life. Yeah. But um, but having the ability, and I think this is what, when I look back at some of the the visioning and stuff that I really was wanting. In the future, when I look back, I realize like, oh, like I've I've actually come so far to be able to say no to something that even that is just such a great deal, you know, that the offer is so good. That's awesome. Yeah. It was hard in, in the moment, but then I was like, you know, you know what, actually what I really value right now, especially because my son was just born is just to be at home in the evenings and on the weekends, even though the evenings and weekends tend to be the, the largest classes, you know, they're the most well attended, you get paid the most. You can um, funnel those folks into workshops, etc. But for um, the time, it's like, you know what, I'd rather be home on the ev- in the evenings and on the weekends. So
1: And for context, if I understand correctly, you're talking about the visioning that you did way back when we were working together.
0: Yeah, and I had to refine some of the visioning exercises that we had done, but essentially like I had a line in there specifically saying, that I want to be to at a place where I can say no to something and not feel like I have to do it. Right? So a lot of times when we're starting out, we get in this mindset of like saying yes to everything. And I think you kind of do in a way once you're starting out, but sometimes we take it too far and we say yes to things when they're inconsistent with our values. And that's when things start to really backfire. Right? So in this case, my value is really to be at home, to be with family, you know, basically after 4 p.m. Yeah. That's just what I value. Like, and unless something crazy happens, that's what contributes to my happiness. That's what contributes to the well being of my family. And so, even though this yoga studio was like, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to brand you, we're going to give you this much, and we're going to give you some of the best time slots. You know, which is exciting and I was like, Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, sure. Let's play around with it. Let's do it. And then I realized, you know what, no, actually, I need to go back to my values because this isn't working. But yeah, I just remember from that visioning exercise, being able to say no to something, even if it's a you know, a great opportunity or a great experience. It shows that as we move through these journeys, whether it's life or even business, that we yeah, you know, we have to stay true to what we're really searching for and wanting to create.
1: That is Pretty flippin' amazing. And I don't know if I ever told you, Matt, but one of the things that we use internally, like inside our company, to determine whether or not we're being successful (laughs) with the folks that we're working with is if they are, in actuality, in reality, saying no to things that appear to be a good deal to everyone right. else. So that makes me happy on so many levels that that resulted in that. Yeah. You have no idea. That is that's pretty awesome. You know, I don't know if I ever asked you, but I'm curious, what do you feel like now looking back? Why do you feel like it took you so long to arrive at hey, I love yoga. I spend a lot of my time doing yoga, but not at that point in time, realizing that that's where you could yeah. spend even more time and actually turn that into something that's viable for you financially or otherwise.
0: And I think there are kind of two situations or two factors. Let's deal with the emotional one first, and then we'll deal with the more practical one. Sure. So the emotional one is really just self doubt, right? I mean, it's really what it comes down to is just fear of putting yourself out there. Because as a yoga instructor, you are the center of attention for most everything that you do. You are the one that creates the class. You are the one carrying the burden of making it successful, but also making sure that you're teaching something valuable to your students. And then there are also the more practical things, right? So, depending on which studio you choose to teach, depending on which model, they're running their business by can determine how much take-home money you're making. So, at the time, I was working I think four to five days a week as a co-owner of the Cheese Board, where I where I still am now. I'm yeah. down to three, days. Um, and that's great. Like that's basically my foundation for how I've been able to continue moving forward with yoga. Yeah, you know, essentially you have to just be careful with you know the choices that you make and also not be afraid to, uh, put yourself out there and then say, you know what, this actually isn't working out for me. Like that's okay too. Right. Just going into it, hoping and doing your research and trying to really make it the best, but then realizing maybe at some point that, you know, going to let this go and doing that sooner rather than later so that you can then focus your energy on something new or something that will leverage a little bit better. So yeah, those are kind of the two main things. But again, I think most of it really just comes down to fear, just trying to be the perfect yoga instructor rather than being so clear with, okay, I'm going to show up and just give the best that I can give to my students in this moment and knowing that that will change one day to the next.
1: Also, you brought up the... Part about going against your values. And it sounds like there was a period of uh, of time where you know you, that particular studio was approaching you and saying, hey, you know, this would be amazing and we're going to do all these things for you. And it sounds like you started working with them for a little bit, but at what point in time did you realize, hey, this is actually going against my values? Where did you start to recognize that? Or how did you start to recognize that?
0: Yeah. So I was there for about 2 months and i knew pretty quickly on that that something wasn't really working so in some ways it took me a little longer just to be like okay commit to this or don't but about 2 months but i'm glad i stepped away from it you know because now i have the free time to be with my family and that's honestly more important and interestingly enough and this is i don't know if it's just a coincidence but there was actually kind of an exodus of teachers from that studio so even beyond that, there was, there were some things business-wise that just weren't working with that studio. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's hard to give someone else advice on this, but just being clear with what you want, you know, deep down rather than just chasing after the carrot, you know, the proverbial carrot or the shiny new object or whatever it is, uh, that's so important as you continue to make progress.
1: I think two months, like I heard you allude to, you know, maybe, maybe I could have even done it faster or,
0: you know, yeah, two like in months, a month, uh, I, was, you know, I was like, you know what, this isn't going to be sustainable for me and the family.
1: But here's the thing, give yourself some credit too, because I think for most people, <laughs> two months is relatively fast. And I know you have high expectations of yourself and uh, I fully appreciate that, but also so many of us get stuck on a particular path for you know many, many more months or even years. And right. I know that you and I have had conversations in the past where you know you and I have both done that to ourselves. And right. you know now taking only two months is is pretty pretty freaking phenomenal for all intensive and purposes, and especially when you compare it to some of those other situations. So kudos to you for only two months. Yeah.
0: But you learn as you go too, right? Like you've had that experience. Yeah. I've had that experience and you can't, I mean, it's, I think over time it takes you less time to come to those conclusions. And also like when we were talking about how family can really hone your values and just yeah make, make it easier for you to understand, okay, this is really important to me. And this is what I'm going to spend my time on because I have such a limited amount of time. It just becomes a lot easier to make those decisions and walk away from it, knowing that even though it was a great opportunity, you're going to create that in the future. You know, also not taking it as scarcity, right? So not being so scared that like, this is the only opportunity I have, like, that's not true. If you stay in the game and you continue to show up, things will start to move. Things happen, right? I mean, I was offered four primetime slots at that studio, which is pretty incredible. And they didn't even have me audition. They just had me come and talk to the owner. They wanted me to be there, and then I realized, you know, this is this isn't going to work for us. And so, I can't. I think it was Seth Godin who wrote about the dip. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of in the same line of like, okay, if something's not working, you know, get out of there as soon as you can, so that you can focus on the next thing. But also know that at, there's a time where you get stuck in this dip, and then that's when most people quit, and then you got to get up out of that. So it's a little bit of both in my kind of situation.
1: Well, and the thing that I like, I don't honestly know if I've read the entire book now that I think about it. However, the thing I feel like I have, because I've heard it quoted so many different times in different ways. But the thing that I enjoyed about the book was it's partially about, you know, when to keep going, but it's partially about when to quit as well. Exactly. And, (laughs) and what I'm hearing you say is that for you, you know, family has been a part of that, having a clear vision and idea of what you want and what you need and what is more important to you than some other things, or what is the priority essentially has all contributed to that. That's not easy. Like even getting to that part, lots of people have families, but not a lot of people, unfortunately have done the work of really defining and declaring what they want and what is most important to them and then adjusting their life and their actions and their behaviors around acting on what's most important. So here's a question from that, you know, as you have thought about that it's probably been what three years since you've done some of that work. How have you seen in other ways that show up that active, you know, defining and declaring, here's what's most important, To me, and here's what I what I want. Where else has that shown up for you?
0: I think the largest part is family, and just how you spend your time in your life. So, the biggest kind of lessons from doing that work before is this. That sets kind of this groundwork as you continue to move on. And it's not like you get it perfect for every aspect of your life, but you start to realize, like, oh, okay this value is is authentically me this is true i'm going to uphold this and here's how i'm going to do it in my life and other ones you start to refine and realize like oh you know maybe that value that i thought i had doesn't bear as much weight as i thought it did
1: that's interesting i don't think we've talked a lot about that on the podcast that the side of realizing maybe this one doesn't bear as much weight where where have you seen that happen for you
0: so the clearest one for me is financial like i had just these really high expectations as well as, I don't know, so much. I guess a part of it would be value too of making a certain amount. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is probably the most expensive place to live, I think, in the States now. Anyway, so I have like, okay, I have to hit this. You know, this is so important to me. And yeah, it's still important. But like I said, you know, I pulled myself out of a potentially really lucrative situation because I valued my time with my family more. And so I think at the time of, of kind of doing some of the groundwork initially, I didn't really see that as, as something that would show up, but it did, you know, and I had to kind of reprioritize, but it became clear as I continued to move forward. So I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Being flexible, but also understanding, you know, when things really aren't working, that you have agency and you are empowered to make decisions that are going to steer you in a different direction or just down a different path.
1: I think the weird thing that I've seen again and again is when you say no to those things that don't really fit very well, it often makes the space in, in your life to pave the way to other things that Fit better, so almost exactly. think about that like you're talking about that juxtaposition of hey, i you know value bringing in a certain income, and you know money is a is a priority for it allowing me to be able to do a, b and c um however, you know I value more even more than that, you know, the priority right. of spending spending time with my family after four p m or whatever it happens to be you know for me. It was like right before you and I started talking, I was at my kids' school watching a student of the month assembly, and you know I've been to their school one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in the last two weeks for various different yeah. things like field trips and other okay. things like that, and having that level of flexibility is um more important to me as well than um you know than the money, but when you start to say no, like you've done. I found that it makes a space for other things that fit both values to begin to show up, where if you have right. it filled, yeah, then there's no way, like there's zero chance it can show up right
0: yeah, I and mean, I, I think that's a, a more concise or maybe a more intelligent way of putting it. I mean, I guess what I should have said is that when you can say no to that constant um, like drive that keeps pushing you forward and be more strategic then other possibilities or other opportunities start to arise because you're, you're more creative um, rather than w- relying kind of on that fight or flight I amygdala mean, reaction of your brain shooting off just to stay coarse, you know, during the hard times. You're like, oh, okay, like let, take a step back, <laughs> you know, play with the kids. Oh, this is what creativity is like. Oh, getting ideas. <laughs>
1: Yeah, i mean and i then, love like, how you say yeah. that oh this is what creativity is like
0: yeah this is that's what awesome. creativity is like oh it's like taking it's like taking a break you know treating yourself with kindness practicing mindfulness and then that's when melissa reached out to me for example so like now i'm able to go do some stuff at her office at a rate way higher than i ever would have imagined charging for my services so i mean that's kind of the pro right he's like we never know kind of what outcomes we're going to get but as long as as long as we keep moving forward and and realize that even when we feel like we're not moving forward we probably are you know it just doesn't always feel that way yeah
1: and for context here Melissa was a part of the cohort that you went through when we were working together with you several years ago and, and that more recently she's reached out to you it sounds like to right. um to talk to you about doing wellness and and yoga and a few other things for her organization that now she's a part of years later, which is yeah pretty cool and pretty crazy how how that like what I mean it's just what we were talking about. Like saying no to one thing leads to the other thing in weird, sometimes unexplainable ways. But part of it is having the well i guess part of it is doing that work like we were talking about to be able to clarify what it is that you want and what's important because without that it doesn't happen but then part of it is having the discipline or recognizing where you can say no and then actually having the courage to do that because that's well let's be honest that's a that's a hard thing and then that <laughs> that combined with maybe serendipity and a few other things ends up creating just unpredictable opportunities. And that's super cool that that has shown up in that way for you.
0: Yeah. I never could have expected, you know, if, if you would have asked me, like if these outcomes would have come in the past couple of years, I, you know, I would have had no idea back then, but it's just staying in it, keep showing up, learning from your mistakes, knowing that it's not going to be perfect, being able to say no to things. And also mind you, I've had stable income, right? So I'm still a co owner of the bakery. So it's like I had that as kind of this protection almost or this foundation to be able to do some of these other things that may or may not scale. Right. But you kind of have to try them out first to know.
1: It sounds like that's been a pretty big part like having that foundation in place that allows you to further, I'm going to call it experiment for lack of a better phrase. Totally. Yeah. Experiment. That has been pretty vital help me understand what ways that has really helped
0: in the most kind of practical sense financial right so there's steady income coming all the insurance for family um, also social like it's very social work which is what i love doing like i love being talking to people getting to know people it's very yeah. physical as well i like that and then also my role there is part wellness as well so it's like I'm getting paid to teach people maybe not yoga as we think of yoga as we go into a studio and it's hour-long class but I help people with their body mechanics I help them with their breath help them reduce stress levels so I contribute to a quarterly column that gets sent out to other bakeries to help folks so I mean I'm essentially you know, teaching yoga more or less, but it's just in a different capacity. But in terms of being able to experiment, you know, this is giving me the ease of mind, if you will, knowing that like, oh, this doesn't have to work. Right. So when I go experiment, it's like, okay, I can I can be creative with it. I can have fun with it. You know, I can also be serious with it, but it's it's not like it has to work. And when we put that pressure of it having to work all the time, I think that really robs the the joy out of doing something that you maybe used to really like, or just makes you, um, less impactful when you feel like you have to get a specific result every single time, you know? So that's been really, been really uh, important in this whole thing.
1: Yeah, that is, I, I hadn't really thought about that in that particular way, but that's really interesting for what you're talking about. And it almost, well, it flies in the face of a lot of what I see out there because, we get so many people coming to us saying that hey i want to i want to figure out how I can just like jump one hundred percent in to whatever it right. is that they want to do, whether they right. want to you know uh, make a job change or whether they want to like start a business or whether like whatever it is like everybody just wants to not everybody, but a lot of people want to jump in two feet, you know jump off the cliff, no parachute, everything else, and yet." What we see, you know, day after day, are stories just like yours that the people that are successful have created some kind of foundation or have some kind of foundation to hold on to before yeah. they, well, I don't know, not even necessarily jumping off the cliff. It's never really a jump off the cliff situation. It's much more like swinging from vine to vine. I think is another analogy that uh, that I've heard. You've got one. Yeah, know, one hand on one vine and the other hand solidly on the other yeah. vine before you uh, even think about letting go in any way whatsoever. And two things from that one, we ju- just recently did an episode and you can go back and look, if you're listening to this on how to free up more time and energy and mental bandwidth in order to focus. But part of that is creating this type of foundation or making sure that there's this type of foundation in place, like you're talking about, Matt. But then I'm also of the, the question of for people that are on the other end, you know, for where you were at, you know, three, four years ago, in terms of trying to figure out what do I want to do next? Where do I want to spend my time? How do I want to look at this? Maybe they haven't done that visioning work. They haven't necessarily clarified in the way that you have at a very deep level what their priorities are and where they want to spend their time. And What advice would you give them, you know, having, having gone through and and seen the results of doing that type of work over a period of, of years, what advice would you give them if they're in that position where they're considering?
0: That's such a good question. I think the advice that first comes to mind is really just take it slower than what you want to. Well, I guess that depends on who you talk to. (laughs) <laughs> some people I think just race, race ahead. And I think that, you know, sometimes that, that strategy can work, but it could also burn you out pretty hard, but taking the time, I think up front just to really do some searching. And that's what I did. And that's what really helped me. And also making connections with people who were starting to get to know you and they could say, Hey, like, these are actually your talents. Like, why aren't you listening to them? Or why aren't you using them to help other people in whatever capacity that might be?
1: You love Um, yoga and teaching and you're a badass when it comes to it. Why are you not doing this more?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, essentially that's, that's basically what I got every single time that we were on the Skype calls together. It was, um, you know, everyone saying like, why don't you just go to an office and like pitch your services, you know, which I actually haven't done yet, (laughs) but they've come to me. So in the end it kind of worked out even better. I think actually once you get in it, and you're still maybe even unsure about, okay, is this what I want to be doing? Just show up. Like literally just show up, do the best you can in that, that moment. Even if you're having kind of a bad day or your heart, quote unquote, is not in it for that moment, just show up, do the service or create the product, you know, whatever it is that you're doing and continue to do that over time. And I'm not saying that you have to enslave yourself to one thing, but what I'm saying is, you know, our emotions are very volatile and they can be often misleading. And so, especially when you're vulnerable in the beginning and you're not sure about which career path you're um, really set on, you really just have to show up. And I think that's another element that helped me. I was like, okay, Matt, you know what you're good at. Everyone's told you this. just start to show up in places, start to create something. And even though it wasn't perfect, even though some of it didn't make a bunch of money, in the end, it's brought me to where I am now. And so I'm glad that I kept showing up, you know, even though there were some moments I'm like, ah, is this really for me? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Because that test will always be there. And I think it needs to be there in a sense to kind of challenge us, right, to add some stress so that we can make things better.
1: I love that. Especially that last point of it needs to be there.
0: Yeah, it's it has to be there. You know? Otherwise um it'd be too easy and then everyone would do it and it would be worth nothing. Right. But because it's challenging, because it's difficult, you know, that's why people drop out of a lot of stuff. That's why people get out of the dip. So yeah, there's a lot of elements here, but I mean I think just for a person going through the course or if they're not sure about it or even if they just kind of graduated from that course and they're like now, you know, feeling a little vulnerable but a little better and moving towards a direction, like just continue to show up. The reason I said slow down in the beginning was do it in a way that you can continue to show up over time, right? So rather than thinking about this as a sprint, like think about it as a marathon or even like a really, really long distance hike where you're going to be moving and then maybe moving a little faster, hustling, but then you're slowing down taking a break, maybe taking a day off, coming back to it. So being able to pace yourself in a way that is going to compound over time, because that's where the real results start to happen is when you continually show up over time, just like investing, you know, it's a similar principle.
1: I love that analogy. It really is the exact same thing. Yeah, and allowing it to compound over time versus trying to force it to have exactly. instant
0: results, exactly. without trying to control it every you know without without day trading you know <laughs> without day trading you know, like like come to it you know rebalance it every six months or every quarter you know that's when you take your eagle eye approach but then otherwise like kind of let it do its thing just show up teach what you're teaching or make what you're making. <laughs>
1: uh, I love that analogy. <laughs> That's maybe the best uh, analogy I've heard so far around... (laughs) Uh, self-development in this type of work. I'm totally going to borrow that one. That's great.
0: <laughs> take it. <laughs> take it,
1: Matt, I so appreciate it. And thank you for coming back on the podcast. And thank you for sharing all your insights that you've learned over the last three, almost four years now that it's been. And uh, I really, really appreciate it. And for those folks that want to know more about you, your story, or maybe even those folks that, um happen to be in the Bay Area that may want to check out one of one of your classes and what you're doing, what uh where can they connect with you?
0: Yeah, you just go to my website, it's the easiest thing. That's Matthewatoy.com. M-A-T-T-H-E-W. Um so yeah, Matthewatoy.com and toy spelled T O Y. Or you could just Google search my name, probably pop up. Um but yeah I'm based out of Berkeley so if you're ever in Berkeley and want to come into a class, you know, shoot me an email. That'd be great. Good to have you. Can make it happen.
1: Hey, I really appreciate it.
0: You got us, Scott. Thanks.
1: Hey, many of the stories that you've heard on the podcast are from listeners that have decided that they wanted to take action and taken the first step of having a conversation with our team to try and figure out how we can help. And if you wanna, if you want to implement what you have heard. And you want to completely change your life and your career, then let's figure out how we can help. So here's what I would suggest. Just open your phone right now and open your email app. And I'm going to give you my personal email address. Scott at happened to your Just email me and put conversation in the subject line. And then when you do that, I'll introduce you to the right person on our team and you can have a conversation with us. We'll try and understand your goals and what you want to accomplish in your career, no matter where you're at. And we can figure out the very best way that we can help you and your situation. So open that up right now and send me an email with conversation in the subject line. Scott at HappenedYourCareer.com. Hey, I hope you loved this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if this has been helpful, then please share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers that badly need it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically, even the bonus episodes. Every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out.